Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. God is by nature a family, just by default, right? It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's a family that's built right into the Godhead. And so from that place, it gives us the inspiration, the encouragement, the understanding. It gives us something to lean into. Now, for a lot of people, just depending on your life circumstances, maybe Father's Day is a little bit difficult. Some people have lost fathers this year. Um, some are in different situations. There are some moms in the house who are like rock star moms and are filling both roles in their households right now, and we bless you in that. But even when it's been hard, we all have the common denominator of God the Father is there for us. That perfect love is available, that perfect wisdom, that perfect counsel. And so we want to lean into that a little bit today and just draw from what God has to say to us. We want to step into the fullness of his plan for us. And I feel like increasingly um, this capacity for love is being drawn out of people. I don't know if you've noticed lately, but even within the church, there's been just this heightened sense of passion. It's not just like religious attendance at church Sunday morning, or at least I hope it's not, but it feels like people are engaging our hearts a little bit better. We're engaging the heart of God a little bit better. We're opening up a little bit better. That is the love of God. The word tells us that we love him because he first loved us. So anything that we have is in response to him. And so when we go into this concept of God as our father, the ultimate source of all things, it's a positive. If we've had negative experiences in life, they need to come into alignment with the positive of God. We have to come to a place where we're allowing God to shift our expectation of him. A lot of times, you know, we can just go through the mechanics of life and it's just like a holiday here and a, an event there and, the, you know, the calendar, the schedule, the stuff just happens. And um, we just skip what's going on in the heart. It's easy to just follow the pattern. And like Pastor Brad said, even with time advancing, I've noticed this thing that happens. So just warning, if you're like aging past 35, something happens to the clock and it's like, and the calendar is like, it just, it just flips like pages just go like in a day or two. It's crazy how time advances and you can actually, I'm kidding, but honestly, has anybody looked back? You're like, it's been five years since that. I would have bet money it was two. Like, you know, uh, seriously, time just goes fast and we can avoid the things that are going on in the heart just in the speed of time. And so sometimes the longer we go through pain, the longer we hang on to the stuff that we've, we've walked through and we bottle things down and we just don't deal with it, time just seems to go faster and faster. And so we are less likely to deal with it. We're less likely to address it because it's just time's just carrying on. We've had this last couple of years though, COVID, I don't, I don't love really anything about it, but this one little window, this one little thing that for two years, the world kind of went on pause and it brought to the surface some of these hidden things. Some of the stuff that we've been so busy with that we don't, we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to think about it. The pause forced us to deal with what's really going on inside or at least acknowledge that it's there. It's harder to ignore something that's going on on the inside when you're sitting still by yourself at home. And you are, you know, you can't blame your workmates when you're literally on the work at home plan. It's like suddenly, well, that, that'd be me. 
the jerk at the next desk, that's me. Also me, the person, uh, you know, pushing, I, I'm eating the crappy food, not because somebody brought cake again to the staff office room. I am, I'm actually doing that to myself. Okay, that's me. Um, any, of the, any of the issues, it's me. I'm faced with me. One of the things that that produced for a lot of people was a prioritizing of, this is what I want my life to be about. These are the things that I no longer think are important. These are the things that I think are important. These are the things that I want to pursue. And so leading on the other side of this, whether it's in your home, in your workplace, in a church, in ministries, it's different than it ever was before because people's perspective is different than it ever was before. The pause has caused us to say, this is what is worth pursuing and this I'm not willing to pursue anymore. And we need to take that place with God. And when it comes down to the love of God, the heart of the Father, the heart of, of the Father in us and for us, this is the window of time I believe that God's given us to stop and evaluate it and apply it properly. So we want to look at this, you know, from, from that fresh perspective, the pause, and we want to say, you know, am I actually walking in the love of the Father? Have I actually received the love of the Father? When you consider Father's Day and you consider coming to church and you know that we're going to talk about probably, in some measure, the love of the Father, does it make you nervous? Does it, does it feel like, I hate that we always go there. I really kind of want to skip today. I'd rather be fishing. You know, is there anything on the inside of you that is... It, it catches. Is there anything that feels unworthy or unable to receive uh, what it is God has for us? The two things that we need to address within love are love and action. And it's interesting because we all know that love is an action word, but we're going to pick apart those two things today and break down love and action. Love the feeling, love the sensation, love the heart commitment, and the action that's required on the other side of it. The action that actually walks out love, the, the action that actually produces something. When we break it down, it's um, honestly love and relationship. Interesting thing about love, we would say love is a relationship, but love can't really be love without a relationship, and a relationship can't be a relationship without action. So this is the weird thing. Breakdown, love literally means the affection and direction of the heart. It is more than a feeling, it's a motivator, it's a choice. So the affection and direction of the heart. But relationship, by definition then, if I'm in a relationship, I love you and I'm in relationship with you, it means the state of being connected, a type of kinship, a state of affairs or dealings between. In other words, provision, interaction, communication, etc. Relationship requires action. So relationship equals action. Are we fair with that one? We're agreed? Relationship equals action. So love and relationship together mean that there will be action that's going on in our lives. There is love and there is action. So I can't just say, I love you so much. I, I like... When it comes to a person, I love you, 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 I love you so much. I just think about you all the time. I love you so much. I don't do anything that you want to do. I don't, I don't want to be around you a lot. I don't want to sacrifice anything, you know, for this relationship. I just love you so much. 
No, you don't, because love will produce an action. I can't come to church and I can't just say, God, I love you so much. I worship you. I honor you. I praise you. You want me to do what? No, I'm not doing that. But I love you so much. I love you. I love you. I love you so much. I can't do that because real love will produce action. There has to be both parts. I also can't just live in the action and not have the love. So if I'm in a relationship, I'm in marriage, I'm in a relationship with somebody and I just work for them, 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 serve them, serve them, serve them, serve them, but I have no heart affection for them, I might as well just be an employee. Same thing with God. I don't just want to serve him, 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 but I don't love him. I have no affection for him. I have no heart connection to him. What we, we know from the word is that we love him because he first loved us. In other words, our response to God, our love for him and our love for others comes from the example of how he loved us. Fair enough? If we look at God's example of love, it's both. It is a heart affection. It is how he feels about us. It's the directionality of his passion towards us. It's also how he functions with us. He, the, the activity of the relationship. Last week when we talked about the provision of God, the supply of God, the, the kingdom of God manifested, that is God's action of love towards us. He loves us and he takes care of us. But we don't just want to get into, I go to church and I serve God because he pays my bills. It's got to be about a heart connection. And we also don't want to get into that place where, God, I love you, but I'll take care of it myself. I love you, but I got this. It's both. It's love and action. So we want to walk this through today. Again, one of my favorite quotes, you guys have heard it a thousand times, love looks like something. Heidi Baker, right? That's essentially what love and action together is. Love looks like something. There's something that is produced. And when we're talking about Father's Day, we're talking about the Father heart of God, we're talking about love within families, within relationships, love looks like something. The problem is earthly love has been sadly destroyed. Right? We have brokenness all around us. There is damage all around us. And so we want to get into the heart of that. Where is that coming from? And what is God's response to it? How does God operate in it? John 3, 16 and 17, obviously core scripture of our faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we see right there a love-action combo. God so loved the world, he has the heart direction towards, so that he gave his only begotten son. There is an outpouring, there is a physical action that happens in this relationship. He gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved." He gave, he gave this incredible gift of love so that we could receive the love. We actually, we could receive that, we could believe it, we could walk in it, and through that we would be saved. So God so loved, he had this heart affection, he had this heart motive, and it moved into an action 
We then, as a response, we have a heart response. We say, thank you, God. We receive it. And then we begin to walk in that place of freedom. We begin to walk in that place of life. There is always love and always action. John 5, 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Whatever the father does, action, Jesus did in like manner. A lot of people come into the church, they come into this beginning of a relationship with God and they're like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm good with Jesus. I read the book of John, like Pastor Brad recommended, I read the book of John and I'm like, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is so kind. He's so compassionate. He's so generous. He's so loving. He serves. He ministers. He, he heals the broken. He hunts for the displaced. He's that good, good, good uh, God that I want to follow. And then Jesus says, okay, everything that I'm doing, I'm only doing it because the Father did it first. The love of the Father is for you and is exemplified in the actions that Jesus took. When we understand that, when we receive that, we know that there's a place that we need to lean into as well. A place where we go, okay, even though maybe I've had some difficult father experiences, even though family life is broken around me, maybe I don't even have a good example of a father. I'm trying really hard to be a good father, whatever it is. I can move beyond that and into the place of Jesus, I thank you that you modeled for me who the Father really is, and that is available for me. So I am choosing to accept it. I'm choosing to open my heart in that way. I'm choosing to walk in that place. But here's the problem that we have. Number one, the family of man. So in the beginning, Genesis, in the beginning, God said, let us make man in our image, right? He made male and female. He created this family unit because God is himself a family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God creates this family, but from the very beginning, sin enters the world. With it, the father of lies who comes in and begins to distort things right off the bat. Beginning, right at the beginning, we have this gap between what a family is supposed to look like and what a family produces when dictated to by the father of lies. We either have the father of lights or the father of lies. But between those two, the difference is quite obvious. And so we look through history and it's so bizarre. You know, it's a wonder any of us are actually good at all, really, because through, through the decades and centuries, people have tried stuff just in their own wisdom to try and do the right thing. We are so blessed with so many really great families in this house, but a lot, it's in spite of what is behind us, not because of it. Some it is, and the more you see it, generations after generations after generations serving God, you see wholeness begin to form in increasing measures. So that's God's design for us. The more we serve him and generation after generation produces after the father of light, we see good fruit. The more generation after generation after generation produces after the father of lies, we see brokenness. So everything, you know, I don't believe any parent has ever said, I just 
really want to screw up these kids. I want to see how bad we can mess this up. This will be, this will be fun. This is going to be really great. But, but the fact is, we try, and if we are not doing it through the wisdom of God, we make mistakes. We, we, we have flaws. We don't always get it right. And so sometimes we have grown up maybe in a circumstance where the, the situation around us has been very difficult. And I know that's the, the case for a lot of people in this room, a lot of people watching online. You've maybe grown up in a situation where it's like, oh my goodness, I will never be that kind of parent. I will never do that. Do you know that's the bait of the father of lies? Because the word tells us that we judge not lest we be judged. When we step into judgment like that, we tie ourselves by a, a tie of judgment, a spiritual tie of judgment that actually then causes us to almost duplicate exactly what it is we're trying not to do. We fall into the same trap by trying so hard to not fall into the same trap. The wisdom of God tells us that we don't, we don't concern ourselves. We are grateful for what we can be grateful for. And we know that there is a father of light who offers us a better way. So I'm just saying this morning, not even to discount, you know, if you've been through a nightmare, maybe, you know, it's not even that far behind you right now. I'm not discounting it and saying that it's not, doesn't matter. I'm just saying we give that to God. And it's great if you had a really awesome upbringing and praise God, you, you get a, you know, maybe a head start on that one. But even when it was really bad, if we run wholeheartedly into the arms of the father of light, we get another head start. It's the same thing. And God is like able to cause that grace to abound to us that we can walk in the fullness of his plan, that we have the wisdom we shouldn't have normally had. We have the discretion and understanding that we shouldn't have normally had. We have the ability to love like we shouldn't have normally had because it's the father. We tie ourselves to the right father, right? There's a place that we can go. And so that invitation is there. And just to give you a couple examples of, of some of the stuff, you know, I was thinking about um, the history of, you know, even in, in Canada, but the history in North America of parenting. And uh, we, we, we have some strange stuff. And so a lot of things I've just automatically attributed to like World War I, World War II, kind of a fatherless generation in, in certain chunks. But beyond that, man's wisdom showed up. And so I don't know how many of you have heard of this book called The Psychological Care of Infant and Child. No, it was a bestseller in 1928 and a few years behind it by John Watson. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not on your bookshelves. Okay, but, um, but this is, you know, this is post like civil war in the U.S. It's post World War I. It's, it's in this spot where people are trying to sort out how do we make successful adults? What is it that we need to put in them? And, and one of the things that's really clear is that we all actually thrive with some adversity. That's just the law of nature. Like we actually need some resistance to grow muscle, right? Fair? So if you make everything just perfectly smooth for your kids, they won't be tough enough to handle life. And the first time somebody says no to them, they're having a meltdown in the corner. That's really not positive at 34. And so... Um, 
we want to toughen them up, but his, you know, so these psychologists, people who had analyzed children and development, um, put together this book. And so John Watson was the, the main um, doctor. He was actually the chair of psychology at Johns Hopkins University. So we're not talking some backwoods quack. We're, this guy had a job with a paycheck. Um, yeah, and he says, to develop strength and resilience, never hug or kiss them. Never let them sit on your lap. If you must, kiss them once on the forehead when you say goodnight. Shake hands with them in the morning. Give them a pat on the head if they have made an extraordinarily good job of a difficult task. Rotate different caregivers to prevent unhealthy attachment to any one adult. And otherwise, avoid the coddling affection that prevents a child from conquering the world. A generation of parents read that book and thought that if they followed this advice, which is counterintuitive to what your internal voice says, count, you are blessing your children. I'm like, I mean, it's crazy to read it now, right? But there was, a, there was a generation of kids that grew up with parents who legitimately loved them and wanted the best for them, who thought, if I hug you too much, I'll screw you up. And so I'm going to pat you on the head if you do something good. Can you imagine? Good morning, Becky. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? This, but this is what they thought. This is what they thought would help them out. So the next generation came along, and this is when we moved into the hippie lifestyle. We moved into the permissive lifestyle. Anything you want goes, because we learned in the previous generation, this toughening up, not so fun. So we're going to give you all the love. You get all the love from anywhere and anybody that you want. You just love it all. Just love, love, love. It produced this group of people who kind of then came up in the 80s and 90s who were like, I actually need a little more structure in my life. And so I'm going to avoid the smoking weed and just dancing around the, you know, the bonfire. And I'm going to try and get a job. Only the problem is now I don't know how to parent. I don't know how to be a kid. And so I'm going to just like work really, really hard to get as much stuff as I can possibly get because the stuff will make, I've learned that like, like having the nothing and living in the VW van, not so great. So I want the stuff. I want the house. I want the car. I want the boat. I want the camper. I want the stuff. I'm going to work really hard. And we had families that were working five and six jobs between the two parents and the generation of the latchkey kid happened. Kids coming home after school with no parent. Here's the key to the door. Let yourself in. We'll be there at some time, you know, but you're having, you're being taken care of. You've got everything you could possibly want. Stop complaining. No, I can't come to every dance recital because I'm working hard and you have everything you could ever want. So stop whining. We rate out of, out of our sense of love. This is what we thought was the best for our kids. Right? Are you, you understand this. I'm not talking about some alternative universe. We've all experienced this, seen it happen around us, right? There was actually studies. Again, people get paid to do stuff that just makes me shocked. Like, follow people's lives for 25 years. So, there was a whole a group of studies that went for 20 to 30 years, um, basically trying to figure out what makes healthy adults. So, this was in this this 
like later chunk, kind of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and they're trying to figure out what makes healthy adults, not just mentally healthy or emotionally healthy, but like physically healthy. Because some people just seem more prone to disease or, you know, to being weaker. And so they started tracking this. And so they started finding out that if, if people came from more affluent um, environments, they tend to do a little bit better in life. So physically healthier, emotionally healthier, that kind of stuff. And so this is what fed the workaholic syndrome that we've kind of come through in the last season. This idea that if you have money, if you have the comforts of life, you are probably going to do better long term. It's so interesting. It's like, does anybody remember when they tried to sell us on margarine because butter will kill you? And then they told us 20 years later that actually the chemicals in margarine aren't so good. You should have butter. And then you should have eggs. You should not have eggs. You should have cheese. You should not have cheese. I don't, who even knows? But it seems to take them 20 years to figure out the results of the test. So 20 to, uh, 25 years later, after they had told everybody, if your kids are affluent, if they have money, they're going to be healthier and stronger, there came out this other exam. So they followed 2,700 people through their lives into adulthood, and they found out this. Uh, this is from Baylor University. A well-off home benefits long-term, but only if the children also have warm and healthy relationships with their parents. Children lacking warm relationships with their parents have higher, uh, higher rates of inflammation and disease as adults. The wisdom of man and the father of lies told us, if you have enough stuff, you're going to do great in life. The wisdom of God says you matter. That he put us together, he puts the solitary in families so that we would flourish, that we would be fruitful, so that we would be uh, doing well upon the earth. The reality is, families, you have little people that need both the resources and you. God is the supplier of the resources. You are the supplier of you. There are some daddies that need to hear, like, not only is it important that you earn and you work for your family, that's, that's a God-given desire to be a provider, but you are needed by your kids. Your kids need your presence. And, and the interesting thing when you follow this through is that kids actually have a built-in need. And I know we're going through all kinds of discussions these days about, you know, gender and, you know, whatever it is and isn't and whatever, but essentially they break it down scientifically to male and female. And so this is what children look for. And this is from the Pediatrics Association of Franklin. Um, and so it's a, again, big study. What children look for in fathers and catch this or father figures. So for men, in the house that you maybe don't have any kids in your home right now or whatever there is somebody who's looking for a father figure they, they are looking for somebody and this is what they're looking for from us they're looking in for a father or a father figure number one to lay down the rules and to enforce them isn't that bizarre that's, that is built into children's internal dialogue. They look for, in a father, basically, show me where the boundary lines are. 
Show me, show me how far I can go. Show me, show me where it's safe for me to be. What are the rules? And so this is, this is built in. They are looking for, in a father or a father figure, a feeling of security, both physical and emotional. They're looking for that safety, that sense of, it's okay for me to be here. Now, some maybe have had, not had that experience with your earthly fathers or somebody in your life, but this is, this is what your inside craves. They want their fathers to be proud. There's an internal need in kids to have their fathers say, well done to feel proud of them. They need to know, Daddy, did I do good? Daddy, are you proud of me? It separates then into boys and girls. Girls look to a father or a father figure to set the bar for relationships. Not just a dating relationship, but how I interact with others. So girls have this, I mean, we're, we're more relationally driven. Girls grow up looking for the men in their lives to set the boundaries, to show them what to look for in a healthy relationship, to show them how to engage, how to interact. Boys look at fathers and father figures to set the bar for themselves. Isn't that something? What does it take to be a man? Show me what it's like to be a man. Now, I find this interesting because this is, this is something that is a lifetime assignment you know, for men, every man in this room, every man watching online, there is a lifetime assignment that God has for you to be able to do this, to provide that place of here's, here's the boundary lines. You know, here's, here's where it's safe to go. Here's where it's not safe to go. To, to, to set that place where there's the feeling of security. You're going to be safe here. It's why Pastor Brad said we're looking for ushers. Why? Not because we have security teams around the house, but, but because honestly, if something goes wrong, we're looking for people, particularly men, to step up and go, it's okay. Like, we got you. I appreciate when I see some of our men, you know, in those icy, like this past winter, good heavens, the parking lot was so hard to stay ahead of. We like graveled it, it melted, it sunk down, it rained, it graveled it and sunk down, it was crazy. And so to have some of our ushers and our welcome guys go out there and actually escort people across the ice, that's that sense of security and safety that we crave and it's something that's built into men to provide. You actually have it in you to want to make somebody feel safe. You wanna be the man, right? You wanna be somebody who makes somebody feel safe. You want uh, to be the one who helps set the bar for healthy relationships. You want to be able to instruct the next generation. But here's the crossover then. The first part is where the family of man has kind of broken that, the family of mankind. Then there is the family of God. The father, the ultimate, you know, one who holds the whole world together, the one who decides how things are, the one who knows us by name, who knows everything we've ever done and loves us completely. That father sets the bar for us. And if we look back into this, this is what our relationship with God is. And if we struggle with engaging God as father, we struggle finding the answer to these needs. So we are looking to Father God then to lay down the rules and enforce them. That's why the Bible actually has guidelines and instructions in it. 
Here's the boundary lines. Here's where you fall off into the void. Here's where there's consequences. Here's where you're going to hurt yourself. If we don't engage God as father, we have a trouble listening to this. And we're like, who are you to tell me what to do? That church is so bossy. They're so legalistic. They're so, they're so rule-based. No, God, the father actually has things that he wants us to know are our safety zone. We look to God to provide a feeling of security, both physical and emotional. God the Father is the safe place where we go to be connected, to be whole, to be complete, to feel like I can actually let the guard down. If I don't trust God as Father, then I'm actually seeing Jesus a little bit more as a go-between, and I'm scared of the Father. But perfect love that comes from the Father drives out all fear. I ultimately have to, through Jesus, get to the Father and let the guard down. That's what I'm saying. This is, this is biblically how the Father or the family of faith is designed. We go to the Father. It says they want uh, to make their fathers proud. We want to hear well done from the Father. It literally is the thing that I, I send, I text to all of our team after a big event or whatever. I'll say, I, you know, I pray you have a great day of refreshing, spend some time with God and listen for the well done of the Father. Sit there until you hear it. Because when we've been producing, we've been doing stuff, we've been going places, we've been trying to, trying to serve, we need to hear the well done. And sometimes it's awkward to get there. But God the Father is the father of lights. He does not change. He, he does not disappoint. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. If there's fear in engaging him that way, it's coming from the father of lies, not the father of lights. Are you with me? That this is a, it's an important depth spot in how we engage with God. Girls look to their fathers or father figures to set the bar for relationships. Um, Women need to engage the heart of God because it sets that boundary line. There is a power play that happens on the earth that opens women up to all kinds of things that the demonic loves to capitalize on. If we are finding our fulfillment in the father heart of God, we are less baitable in those areas. There is less draw in those areas. Boys are set, looking for the set the bar for themselves. Is There's that motivation. God, who did you make me to be? Who did you call me to be? You know, the word talks about, he knits us together in our mother's womb. If you think about that, he literally knits you together in your mother's womb. The veins, the nerve endings, the organs, the bones, every detail of how everything functions together, the heartbeat on the inside of you, the breath on the lungs, the, the way your hair grows, your nails grow, your eyebrows, like babies come out and it's like there's so much detail to every little bit, you know, and, and you check and you're looking for every single tiny toenail and every single little bit that God put together. And that's the key is that God put that together. That love with which he knit it together is the love he has for you even when you epically screw up. Why? Because he sees what he put in you. He knows, he knows who he made you to be. He knows what's on the inside of you. He knows that the, the personality, the giftings, the drive. He knows your sense of humor. He knows what you were before the world tried to screw you up. And he loves that. 
This is the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father knows you well, sees your future, calls the, 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 the life in you out, calls you into the place of light. He doesn't go, well, you know what? I just actually think I, there's just, it's too far back. He never says that, ever. And again, we may have had earthly experiences that don't match up to that. If that's the case, sometimes we filter our response to God through that filter. And we'll be like, no, I actually, I, I apologized before to an earthly authority figure, and it went very badly for me. There is no shadow of turning in the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. He is the, the God with his arms wide open when the prodigal son came running back. He was the one that tried to talk down the elder brother who was all up in his own prideful head. He's the one who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's perfect, pure love in the father that at best our earthly fathers walking in, you know, the fullness of God's love. We, the very best dads around who we love so much, even that is a shadow, it's a type of the real father heart of God. Isn't that amazing? Like the, the, the person and you're like, man, I, I'm so glad I had that dad or I wish that was my dad. God is better than we can possibly imagine. And his love for us is absolute. He models this. John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in that love. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The goal is to get to the Father. The blockage sometimes is our earthly situations. I just, I really believe there's an invitation today for us to move into that place of deeper relationship with the heart of the Father. That place where it's so complete. You know, I don't know if anybody else remembers this. My, my dad um, could never swim, he tried. <laughs> But nevertheless, I mean, I remember we, we would go camping or whatever and, and end up, because it rained every single time we went camping, end up at a hotel or whatever. And, and my dad was always the one in the pool, like saying, like, jump, jump in, I got you, I got you. He couldn't swim. But I trusted completely that I could fly off the edge of the pool because he got me. Like, you know, that he's always going to catch me. It's that thing that is, is radical uh, confidence that comes when your dad is there and he says, I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. You can do this. I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. I'm saying when we come to God, we come through Jesus. But ultimately, the confidence that really backs up the yes that we're giving, it comes from the Father. It comes, we come through Jesus. We are seated together with him in heavenly places next to the father. And the father is the one who's going, you got this. I got you. You got this. You can do this. I know what's in you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to, you're good. I got you. 
And we have to get past the earthly filter enough to receive that kind of love in order to fully experience what it is God has planned for us. John 14, 9 to 10. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show me the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Jesus is saying, you know what? I am here to represent the Father to you. I want to introduce you to him. I want you to experience him. So everything that I'm doing here, I'm doing because he's given me the instruction to do it. I want you to know who he is. Bill Johnson says, striving, fear, and anxiety only exist where there's an absence of tasting the Father's love. Let's leave that up for a minute. Striving, fear, and anxiety only exist where there is an absence of tasting the Father's love. This is a big deal. It's, it's a next level kind of thing. It's the thing that God calls us into. We have to understand that if, if we see Jesus and we love Jesus, we automatically should love the Father. We automatically should run towards him. And if we don't, there is probably an earthly filter that has come through years of just human reasoning stuff that has happened along the way. So God invites us into this place, striving fear and anxiety disappear when we begin to taste the Father's love. And when we begin to taste the Father's love, some of you I know in this room have experienced this recently, where you're suddenly like, oh my goodness, I can't believe, I can't believe that God accepts me like this. I know what I've done. I know where I've been. I know who I've hurt. I know the flaws, and yet I'm accepting that he accepts me. I'm, ex I'm choosing to accept the love. I'm choosing to accept that radical place of he knows me. And even though maybe all the people around me are like, oh, yeah, we'll see if this sticks. I can trust the love of the Father because he knew me first. He's known me the longest and he'll know me forever. And I come into that place through relationship with Jesus and I get to experience the fullness of God. And from that place, there's just a life change. Everything that you knew you should change, you, you are suddenly empowered to do so because there's the father heart whispering in your ear going, I got you, I got you, jump, come on, jump, I got you. The offer is there, but we have to lean into it. The final point that I want to hit today is the con uh, uh, concept of uh, reconciliation. So there's the earthly family, there's the spiritual family, and then there's the reconciliation. It's the place where the two come together. And this is the spot that we need to spend a little time with. And I'm, I'm posing this as we go into kind of holiday season. We're on the end of this giant global pause, and we're deciding what to do with the life that we've been given moving forward, what to prioritize, what's of importance to us, what's not. This is important. Making sure that we're reconciled, that the gap between the earthly family and our spiritual family, our spiritual relationship with God comes together into a place that's actually shareable. It's asking ourselves the questions, how is my love life looking towards my earthly family right now? 
How am, I, how, how am I doing with my earthly family? This is not just for men, this is for all of us. How am I doing with my earthly family? Some of us kind of had that hit us in the face in the last couple years, faced with death, faced with sickness, faced with distance and separation. Something shifts when you think you're going to have forever with people and you don't have it on this side. We do eternally. So how is my love life looking? Is there love and action? Is there a heart connection and action? Am I showing the love that I feel? And how's my love life with God? Is there love and action? Is my heart in a good spot with God? And am I acting on it? Just to be super blunt, it's impossible. The word tells us that faith without works is dead. It's impossible to love God and not have it produce something in your life. If we never, ever, ever want to serve him, there's no product coming out, it's not real love. There's nothing actually in there. So we wanna make sure that we're analyzing this. How's my love life with God? Do I receive his love? Am I able to receive that he loves me completely even though? And how's my response to his care? Do I say that I receive his love, but I got everything else? I, I don't want to be a bother to God. I don't want to ask him for stuff. I don't, I don't want to be needy. Am I willing to engage the love and action on both sides? And once we've analyzed ourselves or let the Holy Spirit analyze us, then we spread the net a little bit further because it's the reconciliation of the family of man and the family of God, the coming together where it's meant to be healed. And we ask ourselves questions like this, am I modeling God's love well? In other words, if people met me and they heard about my relationship with God, would they be drawn to it or want to run the other direction? And a lot of people have said, you know, in the past, if that's Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. That is the flaw of the family of man. That is not the family of God. If we really modeled his love well, people would be drawn like magnets. If we actually live out of the fullness people would be drawn to know the love that we're experiencing, the freedom that we're experiencing. Are people drawn to God or pushed away from God by the way I live out his love? And if they're pushed away, is it possible because I have applied the family of man filter to my relationship with God? Is my relationship with God offensive because it's tainted by my brokenness that I haven't allowed the Father to heal. Big therapy session for Sunday morning. I know, you can go for burgers afterwards, but nevertheless, <laughs> it's a game changer. Truly, it's a game changer. The measure at which we receive the love of the Father is the me measure at which we can actually share the love of the Father. It's the call that we've been given, but we have a really hard time expressing. It's like, you know, when you... You're, you're guilty of doing something. You, you really don't present well that other people shouldn't do it if you're doing it too. 
You know, it's that thing. It's really hard to tell people you need to accept God's love if you don't accept God's love. You need to accept God's healing. If you don't accept God's healing, God loves you and he forgives you. But I'm not sure how he feels about me because I did it 17 times and I, he might have quit at 16 forgiving me. No, that's not how it works. We have to, we have to put it into action. 1 John 3, 16 to 18. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and truth. Love and action. We don't just give, we don't just share, but from the love we have received, the provision we have received, there's an overflow that we give and there's a mutual sharing that goes on. If you've bumped into believers who just lack the ability to care for others, it's probable that there has not been that laying down of self to receive the love on the inside. When we do, this becomes automatic. It, you honestly, when you carry the heart of the Father in you, you can't walk past somebody in need without doing something. You feel compelled. Lord, is this a place that I should serve? Is there a way that I can minister into this? Sometimes it's prayer. Sometimes it's tangibly uh, in some way. But whatever it is, when the heart of the Father beats in you, it demands an action. And it's just a fun thing to be part of. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20, and we'll finish with this. It says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself, which is so great, through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us to himself and then he's given us a job to do. On the other side of it, you've experienced my love now. Here's, here's your job. You have the ministry of reconciliation. And this is not a paid position at the church just in case you're wondering. This is for everybody. We are all, if we are in, in Christ, we've come into that place of reconciliation with God. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And catch this sentence. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Wow. It's as though God were pleading through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Isn't that beautiful? This place of God has, God has made a way for me to know him. And when I get wide open about that, when I let the love of the Father fully in, and I just decide to accept by faith the healing, the restoration, the gift of life and love that he's offered to me, I decide to take off the earthly filter. Like again, not to minimize, but honestly, we can't, we can't have the opening statements of our lives be about our brokenness 20, 30, 40, 50 years past. At some point, it's got to be, yep, I was blind, but now I see. I was broken, but now I'm whole. Right? 
I was damaged, but I have been picked up. He has brought me from the miry clay. He has set my feet on the solid rock. He has called me by name and he's given me a future and a hope. And what the enemy meant for evil, God will take it and he will work it together for good. So I don't stand here and curse it. I just say, thank you, Lord, for rescuing me from that and changing my future into the plan that you have for me. We have to come to the place where we embrace what has been offered to us so that others can know the ministry of reconciliation, so that they can come into the light, so that they can know the freedom, so that they can know the wholeness. We don't look at the people around us and go, man, you're so messed up. I was mostly that messed up before I'm a little bit ahead of you. No, embrace fully what has been given and paid for for you. Live in the light. Choose to recognize the things that have come against you have come from the father of lies who has even distorted parenting, families, relationships. He has damaged the way our society thinks. Right now, I don't know if it's ever been this damaged. People don't even know where they're going, what they are, who they are. It's a mess. But nothing has changed with God. Like, I find it fascinating that we could probably dig up that 1929 book and we would see the wisdom of that age and we could probably dig up a 1935 book and a 1945 book or we can pick up this book. It never changed. It's always going to lead you towards wholeness. It's always going to lead you towards life. It's always going to lead you towards wisdom and strength and power. It's always going to lead you to the grace and the forgiveness of God. It's always going to lead you to the comfort of the spirit that's there for exactly what you're going through. It's always going to lead you into that place of new beginnings. This morning, we're going to believe for some of those new beginnings. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I know that we're all in different places this morning, but we've been invited into a deeper place of knowing him. Those of you who are dads or grandpas right now, stepdads, spiritual dads, you need to know how important it is that you are walking in wholeness with the Father because there are younger ones around you who are looking for where are the boundary lines? How do I be a man? What's a healthy boundary for relationship? Is somebody proud of me? You can't give what you don't have. You're so important. And for every one of us, we all have the opportunity to express the heart of the Father wherever we go. Radical love, radical acceptance, radical forgiveness. We have the opportunity to step out of a place of judgment and bless and honor and forgive. And maybe instead of just saying, I don't have a model to follow, recognize that you do you do we do I believe that the answer for the brokenness in the world around us today is 100% the love of God 100% there is no therapy enough there's no medication enough there's no systems enough there's no structures enough 
to fix all that is broken. But the love of God can change anything, anything. So God, this morning we come before you and we just thank you for that radical love. We thank you for being a good, good father. We thank you, Lord, that even though there was no guarantee that we would say yes to you, you offer love completely. Even though maybe we've failed and, and had flaws a thousand times, you knit us together in our mother's womb. You call us fearfully and wonderfully made. You think thoughts towards us that are good, that give us a, a hope and a future. And God, we choose to believe today by faith that what the enemy meant for evil, you can take it and you work it together for good. Lord, we believe that what the enemy meant to destroy us, Lord, you take it and you turn it into a testimony of your triumph and your grace and your love and your mercy in us. I pray over every heart today, God, whether we've come through good times or hard times, whether we've had good earthly fathers or difficult earthly fathers, God, whatever places our history is, our goal is the same, the heart of the Father God. And Abba, we come before you today and we choose to open our hearts before you to new levels in new degrees. We choose to trust you we choose to lean into your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for laying down your life on the cross so that we could be reconciled. And we thank you for the ministry of reconciliation that's been given to us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to live out this full love, this place of the Father in our hearts, God, that would be attractive to those who need you so badly. Lord, we pray for our friends and our family members, our children, our parents, our, our siblings, God, our co-workers, each one that needs you so badly. And God, we pray that you'd help us to live love properly. God, the feelings and the actions, that we would be truly ministers of reconciliation, that you'd let us have the honor of helping to lead people to you. We're so grateful for what you've done in our lives, God. And Lord, we want to love it forward. We thank you for wave after wave after wave of salvation, of healing, forgiveness, newness of life. And we thank you that you are the answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.